Welcome to Choosing Leadership and this is another episode of the Visionary Voices series with your host Sumit Gupta. In this dynamic new series of episodes, I am bringing you thought-provoking conversations with visionary leaders who have reshaped industries, challenged norms and carved their own paths to success. In a world where leadership is a blend of art and science, where the ability to navigate uncertainty is as important as fostering innovation, we are diving headfirst into the minds of those who have mastered this craft. Join us as we discover the nuances of decision making and unveil the uncharted territories of visionary leadership. Get ready to choose leadership not just as a role, but as a conscious journey of growth, transformation and influence. In the interview, Chris shares his journey from a corporate career to mindfulness coaching. He emphasizes that our actions are driven by inner motivations and the need to fill gaps within us. Transitioning from personal healing to serving others, Chris explains how mindfulness isn't only about escaping to a mountain, but bringing awareness to daily life. He distinguishes surrender as accepting the present reality without being passive, enabling clear and efficient action. This approach enhances productivity, creativity and relationships, transforming our connection with the world and ourselves. Hi Chris, welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi Sumit, it's wonderful to be here. We've, uh, we've been chatting a few minutes here and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And as, as we were talking, you have had a very full life from being a very successful career to being an entrepreneur, even like your passion for music and now into meditation and mindfulness. Can you share a bit about who you are and like where do the dots connect? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Chris Sirak. I've come through the ranks of growing up as a military brat and many different cultures. I grew up speaking four languages and always had the contrasts of there is no absolute truth. So I think that was part of what informed my later expansion. And, and then, yeah, I just had a, a corporate career, also a, a startup career. Just always creating, innovating any idea I had. I also had the desire to roll up my sleeves and get th- get things done. And so, yeah, I was always cr- in creator mode. Also, I really loved my passions that I've maintained since early childhood with sports and music, like you said. And yeah, and then somewhere along the way, pop culture might call it midlife crisis. But ultimately what happened was I had nurtured the external life so much that you can only go so far with that until the internal life starts to call you. And that's what happened. I think the big difference with me was I didn't numb out and go back to work the next day, but I actually listened and took the time to to see what was calling me to it inside of me. And then, yeah, I found my way to meditation and that led to this new chapter of mindfulness, books and retreats and coaching and mentoring. And here we are today. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are so many parallels with my own story as well here. And I do speak with a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think there is even a study that like a lot of entrepreneurs succeed because they're trying to fill a hole, right? They're trying to prove something to somebody. And yes, that can lead to external results. But as you said, the internal starts to speak so loudly at times that you can't ignore. So can you speak a little more on that, right? That initial period of Success, I think, which maybe we all go through at one level, chasing something and trying to hold on to it like with their life. And then even then it is not enough. Yeah, exactly. It's realizing that 
everything we do is driven by something. It's motivated by something inside of us that needs yeah. more fulfillment, that, that there's a sense of lack that we're not even aware mm -hmm. of, that inherited stuff from our family structures and social systems and groups. And so, yeah, we're motivated by filling these gaps inside of us. And we may not know what's driving us because it's so deep but that we then pursue social prestige or control or safety through the work or through relationships and so forth. And it was partly I was always encouraged. I was very lucky with my parents, my home environment that encouraged me to, to follow my bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say. And so th that was early on was actually a challenge for me because I, I couldn't stay focused on one thing very long. And so I was just jumping around between many things. But Ultimately, the, the tortoise wins the race. So over time, I started getting very good at many different disciplines. But yeah, ultimately, I was still living for outcomes, even though I was doing amazing things and working mm -hmm. on amazing projects. It, it, I started to realize you could be doing the most incredible things in the world if you're, if you're not present with them, if you're not engaged oh. with the actual doing of it then you're still just living for outcomes, which means you're yeah. not really here. <laughs> and that yeah. your soul or your spirit, whatever you want to call it, it needs nurturing, it needs validation, and you work. And sooner or later, the inner work that needs to be done will surface. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And one of the things which is very difficult for people in high performance mode is the silence. It's very difficult to be still. And as you spoke about meditation, can you share how painful that was? And then oh my gosh. <laughs> as you went through that, what did you discover about yourself? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I tried out all different in classic entrepreneurship fashion. I tried out all different forms of meditation and mindfulness and reading books on everything, videos, and, and then starting my own practice, journaling and, and just going, being a retreat junkie essentially. And absorbing everything there was to absorb. And, and so what I came across was the 10-day silent retreats that you can take all over the world. And yeah, when you first do that, it's such a shock to the system because we're not used to being in stillness. Nowhere in society growing up is there an institution that promotes being with yourself in silence, be comfortable just sitting still even. <laughs> All of these things. And so when you first do this and encounter yourself in this new unexplored space, the mind goes crazy because it's so used to being in the driver's seat. It's so used to being in control and you're always steering and looking for external captivation, which has its place too, right? We're suddenly in this 3D realm full of shapes and sizes and colors. And it's such an adventure to, to be here and to be born. And so we shouldn't become infatuated with the external. But ultimately, that it's a temporary experience, everything outside of us, because life is always changing. That's its nature. And so to, to sit still with oneself and be just present and focus on your breath and your sensations, it just rattles your system. The mind starts to go crazy because it's used to being a control freak. And so the things that you encounter, it's different for everyone. But for me, in, in my case, it was a lot of fantastic visions, which are ultimately just distractions, right? So I, in my meditations, I would have these just 
you, I don't know if they're hallucinations or not, but you essentially experience incredible bliss here or there. And for, uh, some people have more negative experiences that ultimately in both cases are just distractions from being present, from not being in your mind, but being in your body. Yeah, it's the first time it really shocks your system and it takes a while. But ultimately, we've spent decades living in the head and living for outcomes. And then to think that just within a few days, right, usually on the second or the sixth day of these silent retreats is when it kicks in, <laughs> that we break away from the, kind of these ingrained patterns of obsession with the thought stream. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think there is also an external view that meditation and mindfulness is like just so calm and peaceful and what we don't realize that often for like entrepreneurs or high achievers, it's it's very painful. It's, it's I think very, it's very required or it's like growth happening. But when it happens for the first time, or especially when you're dealing with a challenging situation, it will show you something which you don't want to see or it will put up a mirror in front of you and that's very painful yeah, yeah absolutely but to the, to the second part of my question right now that you like get used to the 10-day silent retreats how has your view about yourself changed so what has the inner discoveries been and how does that balance out with the outer success yeah so the way my view of myself has changed is letting go of the view of myself <laughs> so ultimately it's this attachment to ideas and identification with thoughts and what we've accomplished and all of these things that we hear about, we know we shouldn't be, I'm not just Chris, who's a, a UX designer who's with a career and owns this and that on all of these things that we attach our identity to. And, and ultimately thoughts, every thought that comes along that we engage in, that we give our yeah. attention to becomes an identification with a thought. And then that takes us down into rabbit holes. And we spend at least half of our day lost in thought, yeah. which is, if you think about it, time not really spent alive, being here, engaging with what's real. So yeah, we spend so much effort and longevity and health and living a good long life, but we're <laughs> spending at least half of that time not really being present. The ultimately what calms us down, and this is the biggest revelation, and everyone encounters this when they first go down their mindfulness path, is that the way we make peace with everything, with our thoughts, with our environment, with people, is to come out of resistance to them and to see them as they are. The way you calm the mind is not by wanting to calm the mind, but by accepting <laughs> that it's yeah. not calm which is paradoxical. This is how it works. The surrender, the non-resistance to what is ultimately yeah. brings you into peace and balance and harmony with things. And you can apply that then to everything. So my, all my results improved. I realized I had just been putting brick on brick my entire life and that there's a much easier, lighter, more organic way mm. to let life unfold, to be responding and engaging with it as opposed to always controlling, steering and wanting it your way which is yeah. ultimately a really hard way to go. So yeah, yeah that, it changed everything. My results in sports improved, my clarity and decision-making, my creativity, no longer feeling blocked or having the tools to know what to do when you feel creative block, my ability to listen to other people with the quality of attention that you bring into your projects and the detail and across the board, it's a dramatic improvement. Yeah, that's what I teach now. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And now coming to that part, the teaching part, it's one thing to experience that bliss for yourself. It's totally something different to do it like as a business, as uh, once again, as an entrepreneur, right? And at least for me, I can relate back to that. Even though I could see very differently, see the world very differently, I could see that this is all in here rather than out there. It was still very scary or there was still a lot of resistance to talk about this with others because then people don't accept it or what will others think about me? So can you share this? Like you're not just benefiting from it. You're writing a book, you're leading retreats, you're doing this as your main thing. So how has that journey been? And where does, you mention the word surrender, if you can elaborate a bit on that, where does surrender play a role there? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, I always say your calling is not something that's typically comfortable. And sometimes we have ideas of, oh, I want to do this or that. If it seems like fantastic and perfect and everything's beautiful, then it's probably not your calling. It's just an idea that your mind created <laughs> uh, of just another situation that loosely would sounds amazing and feels amazing. But your true calling is something that like the word implies, it's calling you to something, which means you're not ready yet, ultimately, which means you have to come out of your comfort zone. You still have to take classes. You still have to expand in a way to step into your power. And so there's some discomfort there. Growth is discomfort. There's discomfort there always. But that's the sign. And when you do encounter your true calling, which emerges from really the absence of the obsession with thoughts and constantly seeking outcomes, your true self starts to emerge from this, this spaciousness that you've created. And for me, it was, and there could be many different chapters. And for me, this new chapter was what I do now. And, and being a mindfulness author and speaker and coach, yeah, it didn't come easy. I was very introverted and I couldn't imagine speaking publicly. And so I took public speaking classes for a long time. I wasn't a writer and I just, but I felt called to write the book and um, so I took writing classes and worked on that craft. And so in true entrepreneurship fashion, you learn the crafts that you feel called to do because your passion is driving you. And you can't really, this is the surrender part, you can't really do anything else. If you feel called to something, you have to do it. There is no other choice. And so you'll do what it takes to expand yourself in the ways that, that you need to. And Lots of learning, lots of growth, and you shouldn't be shy to ask for help. You shouldn't be shy to be beginner's mindset, which is also a mindfulness principle, right? Again, letting go of any uh, perceived limitations. And also, most importantly, is to recognize that you're not leaving your old self behind. Everything you've experienced until now, so my corporate career working with those kind of highly politicized environments down to the startups and the mentoring and and engaging with so many people from so many different industries and so forth gives me a type of ability to connect and speak with those people now more from a mindfulness perspective. But that gives me a unique voice, and a unique kind of flavor and makes me differentiate from anyone else. Yeah. So we should never say, oh, it's this departure and I'm leaving my old self behind. No, we bring ourselves with us and that's what's going to make you special, your journey. Yeah. And for our listeners, can you maybe share an example and explain how did, how does this play a role in practice in, in real life, if I can use that word, because yeah. uh, you're doing something new, you are once again an entrepreneur, which, certain, which certainly includes its own set of like challenges or 
an unhappy customer or somebody like not being comfortable in your retreat. So how do you yourself deal with that internally? Yeah. So an example of how that comes through is I have people coming up to me after my presentations or workshops or when I speak publicly at conventions and they come up to me and they say, Hey, I'm in tech and what's your background? And then I share that, yeah, I was in tech and design and education as well. And so they saw something in me from their own background that connected. And even though I didn't overtly say it, they could pick that up in the way I, my energy, the way I talk, my choice of words, and so my analogies that I use. So I'm able to express myself and they see something that they recognize in that. So I'm always being reminded of my past career, uh, which is just now I view it more as an expansion on that. I have a bigger container now that I bring. And the best types of environment to learn how to deal with people, right, is through the workplace, through high-profile clients, high-pressure environments, the, the Fortune 500 space, and dealing with investors over the years. All of these things have forged an ability to not be afraid of it, but look for solutions and be forward-oriented and always a problem-solving mindset, right? That will, situations arise all the time, and that will get you through those and actually turn them into positives, right? Those are the skills that we bring along that we've forged in the past that will always come in helpful in these new situations. And earlier you mentioned we always do something because of our motivations. So can you share what drives you now and what is like what is it that you want to see for yourself or for the world in the future? Oh, great questions here. <laughs> so I would say the first stage, I put life into two major stages. And the first stage is really when we're reacting from within our inner lack. We're whether we know it or not, we're expressing and seeking situations, people, places, and things on the outside to make up for that inner lack. Mm -hmm. And and so we're really just working through ourselves, healing ourselves, becoming more whole and more complete. And then we turn the corner where once we've spent enough time on ourselves from this kind of personal central place of seeing the world, then we shift into more opening up to be of service to others. And that's just actually a very beautiful part of life is as we heal ourselves, then we become healers for others. The challenges that we encounter become our calling in the world because we're experts at overcoming those things. And now we can relate and help others to do the same. So it's all designed very nicely. So the second stage then is really being of service to others, to the world, and applying the lessons that we've learned and that we've overcome to help others do the same. And for me specifically, um, it's really bringing mindfulness into everyday situations. You don't have to sell everything you have and move to a deserted island to sit in lotus pose to find bliss, but rather... You can use existing life structures and routines and your job, your family situation, neighbors, whatever it is to bring mindfulness, the state of mindfulness. It's meditation is not a separate activity. It's a state of being that we bring to the things that we do. 
So it then deepens our experience of those things. And we're no longer always racing to the next moment. We're no longer feeling like there's not enough time to get it all done. There's so many benefits, our health benefits. And like I said before, listening. And so your whole being, your whole presence starts to be like a healing presence to others. And and just this natural joy starts to arise because ultimately, I think joy and lightness is our natural state. We just weigh ourselves down by overthinking, over-identifying with every thought that comes along, and that pulls us down. But once we come out of that compulsive thinking habit, then our energy starts to rise and we start to see life, its aliveness, the miracle of it all, and, <laughs> and opportunities in our own unfolding. So yeah, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's what I'm doing these days. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite funny when you look at it this way, right? That we spend the first part seeking happiness or wanting something for happiness or for the joy that you mentioned. But later we realize that it's not really about having, but also about letting go. In fact, it's more about letting go. And if we let go, we will fall back naturally to that state of well-being and joy. It's our attachment to our reaction to feelings, our attachment to, oh, I don't this, or I do like this, that keeps us from fully feeling our feelings, from fully experiencing situations, because we're always hanging on to them if we really like them or if we're resisting them, if we don't like them. And so we're in this hiccup state of always taking ourselves out of the flow instead of learning to go with the flow and really feel the connectedness to everything instead of keeping ourselves separate. Yeah. And one thing which you mentioned that it's not just about going to a mountain or going to a cabin and then meditating. It's also about your day-to-day life, right? So how would you respond to somebody who is always in their head and he says that I'm too busy, I'm too stressed, I have to like think about the next meeting. How can somebody like that be more mindful or get some of the benefits that we're talking about? Uh, and like we have not spoken about business, but I think this is eventually beneficial for the business or whatever that you're trying to do as well. So maybe if you can touch upon like it's not just taking you away to well-being, but also helping you become more productive in whatever that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So I know what that's like to be in your head because that was me. <laughs> and ultimately not seeing it as a separate activity, mindfulness, as we said before, but a state of being, a quality of being that we bring to daily situations. And really the way we stay present is through our senses. If we can really experience what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're tasting, what we're feeling, what we're touching, all these senses keep us present. There's not enough room there to be lost in past and future. It pulls us into our body because the sensations show up in our body. So it's always maintaining a connection to how we're feeling, our feeling state, without judging the feelings, right? Without Uh, the pleasant or the unpleasant without craving or resisting whatever shows up, but just to stay in our body and stay in that feeling state, that connected state, because that's what's happening. It's responding to what's happening right now. So the feeling state pulls you into right now. And in terms of business, I mean, everything, your whole life improves the efficiency of no longer burning energy in by being in this reactive state constantly. This is the big turning point for me in my own journey is to recognize where my sensations and my feelings arise and where my reaction to my feelings arises. So there's sensations that come and go, but usually there's the onset and then we react to them. And then we amplify them. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. 
the course of the path of least resistance would be to swerve to avoid any collision and just get back on track and off you go. But no, we linger on that situation mentally. We replay it. We cuss out the other driver. We tell our coworkers about what just happened. And in all that time, we're robbing ourselves of the next experience of being present with mm -hmm. what's unfolding. And, and so to come out of that reactivity, you just start to respond instead of react respond to what's there in the most productive, solution-oriented way. You just burn a lot less energy. My capacity doubled and tripled. I can't even put a number on it uh, because I was no longer trying to control everything and reacting and stewing in everything that's happened. I was no longer trying to prepare for every possible scenario before I go into a meeting or meet with a client, but rather bringing my full alertness and my attention to what they're expressing my quality of presence and listening and and when people feel heard it's magical for them they really feel yeah. like you're there for them and of service and of listening and not wanting to force your way on them and so everything in business improves across the board productivity efficiency creativity problem solving ability everything in your personal life improves and your ability to listen to your friends and your family members not wanting them to be different but holding space for who they are and in your private relationships being a good listener is most of the task right is just to be there and allow them to process and ultimately for allow others hold space for them to experience themselves because that's ultimately what we're all doing and even you, the things that prior you, you defined as luck or serendipity, you, you see them more as a normal thing now because we can't control the world. There's just so much going on, so much diversity. And when you surrender to that and allow that to do its thing, then everything becomes magical. Smiling and maintaining that positive momentum, it, it brings things to you that you could never imagine you, the mind is just too limited. You cannot imagine your most beautiful life. You have to yeah. let it happen. Yeah. yeah. Can you share a bit more on surrender and motivation, right? Because the way we are talking about surrender, it's not really giving up. It's not really accepting whatever is coming our way. Can you share a bit more about how you're differentiating surrender from being motivated for changing something or even sometimes standing up for yourself? Yeah, great question. So many people think that surrender is just being a doormat, right? And letting life step all over you or letting others do what they want. Not at all. It's staying out of wanting the situation to be something it's not. It's already happened. So to be in resistance to it, something that's already passed, it's fascinating that we do that. <laughs> but ultimately, it's just a useless burnt energy. It's already happened. So to be at peace with and non-reactive with what's already happened opens you up to then take what I call clear action. We'll just call it right action. There's different ways to express it, but it's ultimately you're coming from a clear-headed place. And now you can make decisions and take action that is clear and it sees what the, the situation tells you what it needs. You're not coming from your own kind of projections and expectations, you see clearly the reality at hand and the solution kind of jumps out at you. And sometimes that solution might be to do nothing. It, no action can also be clear action. So that's just, again, you're engaged much more at being more efficient and responding instead of reacting. And so surrender is all about seeing things as they are 
And then you can take clear action in response to that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Can you hear something about you, which most people around you are not aware of? Oh, wow. I've had so many different interests in my life that I always need to be able to apply myself in the physical dimension, in sports and activities, motion being in motion and movement is so important and critical to the mindfulness practice as well. You can't just sit there and meditate all day long. It just doesn't, at least I've found it doesn't, it doesn't compensate or offset your need to move. And this energy that you want to have flow through you requires you to move. So we're not meant to sit. We're not meant to just be still. We're meant to get energy moving through us and experience life moving through us. And movement, I think, is really important, be it yoga or walking your dog or the, instead of a, a drive, we take so many short drives in our car, we can get on our bike. There's many different ways to stay moving in our body. Our bodies appreciate the movement. So there's that. My passion for music and writing music is something I'm always doing. And in one way or another, it calls me to it because there too, it's stillness. It's engaging with the vibrations of sound, which is a very special thing. And you don't have to write music to experience it, but just to set aside a little time to listen to music, not as a background thing, not as a distraction thing, but as a concerted, like I'm engaging with sound faculties and to make time for yourself with that, maybe with a favorite cup of coffee or or a drink and whatever it is, and to create these moments of sensory exploration. And because that's ultimately what, again, keeps us present and what we're here for, which is very special about this time in our bodies. And I guess I'm, I continue to stay open to learning and hearing about new things. What fascinates me about speaking and teaching and mentoring and all that is that it's just, it's endless with the hmm. stories people have as quote unquote, unremarkable as they may seem, every single person has a remarkable story. There are no unremarkable lives. Everyone is has just amazing stories to share. So I, I love listening and just opening people up to, to share. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's such beautiful. And I want to take a few moments to soak it in. Yeah, yeah. Because like when we are in our minds, we lose touch with our senses. Sounds are all around us, taste, smell, but it can be something as simple as listening to the sounds around us or tasting what we are eating, right? Yeah, it's, a, and you, sp you spoke about just being a state of being, and it's funny that we have to, we are human beings, and sometimes we have to teach or show people what it means to be, simply be. Yeah, but yeah, it's, exactly. it's joyful if we can just allow the moment in front of us to to touch us, to be, yeah, to soak it in. Yeah. Thank you. I love that, that visual of life touching us to yeah. really be in, in, in the fold with it, with the unfolding and be a facilitator of the unfolding a co-creator and engaged. And like you said, there's, if we just stop right now and for a few seconds, there's sounds that are happening and there's a sound of silence ultimately, right? It's ultimately presence. You can hear presence. It's this, yeah. this energy that, that is all yeah. around. And us. you said it so well, right? That we don't have to be still. There is the same thing we can do in, in motion, right? We can take a walk and meditate. We can wash our decision and meditate. We can go into a very difficult board meeting and really see the beauty in those we hate. We can actually do that. We can meditate and see the beauty of the sound coming out, even if we don't like really want to agree or to listen to them, right? So there is the mind hitting, 
but you can still soak it in as beauty, as just sound and another human being who also cares about something just like you do. And that's such yeah. beautiful, right? That it's not something extra. It's always there if you allow it to, to come to you. Yeah, exactly. Your internal truth doesn't require validation from others. When you're really connected in your body, you feel things that are true for you, but it's not a mental truth that relies on comparison. You just know what you are here mm -hmm. to do and what your values are. And you want everyone else to have their own truth as well. And so then you're at peace with what anybody says. They can't upset you or rattle you because you're not running it through the mental filter of yeah. true or false but rather you're just allowing them to have their truth and say what they need to say. And so everyone is at peace with themselves and the world ultimately when we can find that yeah. space. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for gracing us with your presence. And I think we are connecting oh. at some deep level. And thank you for sharing everything that you shared. So before we end, if anybody who is listening and who wants to reach out to you, find out more about your book or what you're up to in life, what is the best way for them to do? Yeah, absolutely. So my book, Be You, The Journey of Self-Realization is available on Amazon and all bookstores also as Audible, self-narrated. And then you can always find what I'm up to at my website, sirak.com. That's C like Charlie, I-R-A-K.com. And everywhere on social media at Chris Sirak. Thank you. Thank you once again for everything that you are and that you share. And I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Your energy is amazing. I hope we can continue in some fashion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that wraps up another inspiring episode of the Visionary Voices series on the Choosing Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation and find value in this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach more people and share these transformative insights with a wider audience. Remember, leadership is about continuous practice and not just about intellectual knowledge. And we love hearing from all of you. So feel free to reach out and share your thoughts, questions and takeaways. Thank you for listening to Choosing Leadership. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit and until the next time, keep choosing leadership.